It's July 16th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. We'll begin with our Old Testament reading, 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and chapter 23. 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 1. Then David said, This will be the location for the temple of the Lord God and the place of the altar for Israel's burnt offerings. So David gave orders to call together the foreigners living in Israel, and he assigned them the task of preparing finished stone for building the temple of God. David provided large amounts of iron for the nails that would be needed for the doors and the gates and for the clamps. He gave more bronze than could be weighed. He also gave innumerable cedar lodges for the men of Tyre and Sidon had brought vast amounts of cedar to David. David said, My son Solomon is still young and inexperienced, and since the temple to be built for the Lord must be a magnificent structure, famous and glorious throughout the world, I will begin making preparations for it now. So David collected vast amounts of building materials before his death. Then David sent for his son Solomon and instructed him to build the temple for the Lord, the God of Israel. My son, I wanted to build the temple to honor the name of the Lord my God, David told him. But the Lord said to me, You have killed many men in the battles you have fought. And since you have shed so much blood in my sight, you will not be the one to build a temple to honor my name. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace. I will give him peace with his enemies and all the surrounding lands. His name will be Solomon. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel during his reign. He is the one who will build the temple to honor my name. He will be my son and I will be his father. And I will secure the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you and give you success as you follow his directions in building the temple of the Lord your God. And may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding that you may obey the law of the Lord your God as you rule over Israel. For you will be successful if you carefully obey the decrees and regulations that the Lord gave to Israel through Moses. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or lose heart. I have worked hard to provide materials for building the temple of the Lord, nearly 4,000 tons of gold, 40,000 tons of silver, and so much iron and bronze that it cannot be weighed. I have also gathered timber and stone for the walls, though you may need to add more. You have a large number of skilled stonemasons and carpenters and craftsmen of every kind. You have expert goldsmiths and silversmiths, workers of bronze and iron. Now begin the work, and may the Lord be with you. Then David ordered all the leaders of Israel to assist Solomon in this project. The Lord your God is with you, he declared. He has given you peace with the surrounding nations. He has handed them over to me, and they are now subject to the Lord and his people. Now seek the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that you can bring the ark of the Lord's covenant and the holy vessels of God into the temple built to honor the Lord's name. That concludes chapter 22, moving on to chapter 23, verse 1. When David was an old man, he appointed his son Solomon to be king over Israel. David summoned all the leaders of Israel, together with the priests and Levites. All the Levites, who were 30 years old or older, were counted, and the total came to 38,000. Then David said, From all the Levites, 24,000 will supervise the work at the temple of the Lord. Another 6,000 will serve as officials and judges. Another 4,000 will work as gatekeepers, and 4,000 will praise the Lord with the musical instruments I have made. Then David divided the Levites into divisions named after the clans descended from the three sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The Gershonite family units were defined by their lines of descendants from Libni and Shemai, the sons of Gershon. Three of the descendants of Libni were Jehiel, the family leader, Zephan, and Joel. 
These were the leaders of the family of Libani. Three of the descendants of Shemini were Shalemoth, Haziel, and Haran. Four other descendants of Shemai were Jahath, Ziza, Jehush, and Bariah. Jahath was the family leader, and Ziza was next. Jehush and Bariah were counted as a single family because neither had many sons. Four of the descendants of Kohath were Ahram, Izarar, Hebron, and Uziel. The sons of Amron were Aaron and Moses. Aaron and his descendants were set apart to dedicate the most holy things, to offer sacrifices in the Lord's presence, to serve the Lord, and to pronounce blessings in his name forever. As for Moses, the man of God, his sons were included with the tribe of Levi. The sons of Moses were Gershon and Eliziar. The descendants of Gershon included Shebiel, the family leader. Eliziar had only one son, Rebaniah, the family leader. Rebaniah had numerous descendants. The descendants of Iziar included Shelemoth, the family leader. The descendants of Hebron included Jeriah, the family leader, Amira, the second, Jehazel, the third, and Jechamim, the fourth. The descendants of Uziel included Micah, the family leader, and Isaiah, the second. The descendants of Moriah included Mali and Mushi. The sons of Mali were Elaziar and Kish. Elaziar died with no sons, only daughters. His daughters married their cousins. Hashtag awkward, hashtag weird. The hashtags are uh, my input, not the Bible's input, obviously. The sons of Kish. Just making sure you're listening. Verse 23. Three of the descendants of Mushi were Mali, Eder, and Jeremoth. These were the descendants of Levi by clans, the leaders of their family groups. Registered carefully by name. Each had to be 20 years old or older to qualify for service in the house of the Lord. For David said, The Lord, the God of Israel, has given us peace, and he will always live in Jerusalem. Now, the Levites will no longer need to carry the tabernacle and its furnishings from place to place. In accordance with David's final instructions, all the Levites, 20 years old or older, were registered for service. The work of the Levites was to assist the priests, the descendants of Aaron, as they served at the house of the Lord. They also took care of the courtyards and side rooms, helped perform the ceremonies of purification, and served in many other ways in the house of God. They were in charge of the sacred bread that was set out on the table, the choice flour for the grain offerings, the wafers made without yeast, the cakes cooked in olive oil, and the other mixed breads. They were also responsible to check all the weights and measures, and each morning and evening they stood before the Lord to sing songs of thanks and praise Him. They assisted with the burnt offerings that were presented to the Lord on Sabbath days, at new moon celebrations, and at all appointed festivals. The required number of Levites served in the Lord's presence at all times, following all the procedures they had been given. And so, under the supervision of the priests, the Levites watched over the tabernacle and the temple and faithfully carried out their duties of service at the house of the Lord. That concludes our Old Testament reading. Moving on to the New Testament, Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 31. Starting with Romans chapter 3, verse 9. And as always, we're reading out of the New Living Translation. Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise, no one is seeking God. All have turned away, all have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies, snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. 
They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, it is based on faith. So, We are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. And that concludes our New Testament reading Uh, and just a clear presentation of the gospel. That's what this whole podcast is about. Romans chapter 3. I would encourage you you to go back and read that uh, on your own because that that was a rich section of scripture. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day, though, Proverbs chapter 19, verses 13 and 14, it says this, A foolish child is a calamity to a father. A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping. (laughs) Oh, man. So much I could say about that verse, but I'm not going to. Verse 14. Fathers can give their sons an inheritance of houses and wealth, but only the Lord can give an understanding wife. Amen. Moving on to our Psalms of the day, and we will be reading Psalm 12 in a posture of prayer. I will read it nice and slow so that you can pause and have a conversation with God as you feel led. This is the 12th Psalm. For the choir director, a Psalm of David to be accompanied by an eight-stringed instrument. Verse 1. Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. The faithful have vanished from earth. Neighbors lie to each other, speaking with flattering lips and deceitful hearts. May the Lord cut off their flattering lips and silence their boastful tongues. They say, We will lie to our heart's content. Our lips are our own. Who can stop us? The Lord replies, I have seen violence done to the helpless, and I have heard the groans of the poor. Now I will rise up to rescue them, as they have longed for me to do. The Lord's promises are pure, like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from this lying generation, even though the wicked strut about and evil is praised throughout the land. Lord, thank you that you are on the side of the innocent, uh, of the poor, of those who 
are being uh, used and abused. Uh, Lord, and yet if we're all honest, we know that none of us can be counted as innocent. Uh, from what we read in Romans 3, there's not one, no, not one, who is counted righteous. And yet, Lord, because of what you've done by sending Jesus to live the perfect life, the truly innocent life, and die in our place, uh, and thus taking the penalty we deserve and giving us his righteousness, those of us who trust in him, so that we might be counted innocent, Lord, we can rejoice in the good news that we've been made right with God if we trust in him. And uh, Lord, we look forward to the good news that is to come, uh, that one day he will return and make all things right. And Lord, we look at the good news now, that you have not just left us where we are, but you are transforming us into the image of your son. That it's not about going to heaven, but it's about heaven coming to us. And uh, Lord, thank you for allowing us this gospel. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for today's reading. Hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.